0: Hi, I was trying to shoehorn away to talk about America winning the World Cup in this little beginning thing, but I couldn't figure it out. So, hey, America just won the World Cup yesterday. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, in about one month, the weekend of August 9th, I will be in Dallas, Texas for LeakyCon. There's going to be a Potterless live show. I'm told I'm supposed to be on some other panels. Those haven't been confirmed yet, but I will be at LeakyCon. I will be able to go to all the things now that I'm a spoiler-free boy. We'll do a Potterless meetup. It'll be fantastic. So if you're already planning on going to LeakyCon or if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you want to come say hey, follow Potterless on social media. I'll be sure to post all those details there. But in one month, I'll be in Dallas. So say hi to me, please. And speaking of things that make me happy, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Alex Rutterman, Summer Liao, Vero, Maya, Mays, Jessica Sujansky, Claire Hargis, Andrea Harter, Gamer Tempo, R2 Rontanen, Jessica Stevens, Jamie Kingston, Dave Lanier, Sophie Tanaglia, Sandra Rose, Alison Talbot, Christine Olson, Michael H., Sarah Chapman, Lissy and Wes Ellen. Shout out to Jimmy Block who upgraded to producer level status as well as our new producer level patrons, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Rebecca Todd, Lee, Lee, Lee Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lee Cafaccio, Michael David, Yordi, and someone who made their name nice earmuffs, Potter. Did your mom make them for you? They joined the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Kieran, Abid, Rosemary, Jill, Maria, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Dustin, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Allie, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary Orchid, Vivian Takari, Haley, Moster, Pinky, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Mosin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Alexandra, John, Jen, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Carlos, Pam, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Surgeon, Brittany, Tumnus, Remney, Matt, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Emily, Colleen, Harlan, Wouter, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Wushin, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Marta, Benjamin, Tajinder, Skymart, Sarah, Peter, Yash, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Kate, Violet, Hannah, Kat, Lindsay, Elizabeth, Fielding, Stephanie, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Jesus, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Ariel, Heaven, Callahan, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Ville, Itzel, Mitch, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Edel, Professor, Threat, Kelsey, Ellie, Kel, Savvy, Blue, and can't I, Potter? Who never say nice to meet you for someone that they've definitely met before. If you want to be like one of these patrons and get access to bonus content such as exclusive live streams, bonus episodes, my notes, merchandise, you can head on over to patreon.com Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 84 of Potterless covering the first part of chapter 33 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Helen Anderson. <laughs> internet and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man reading children's novels and I am joined by a lovely YouTuber from across the pond all the way from Norwich, England. It's Helen Anderson. Helen, how's it going? I'm
1: great. I'm I'm just so excited to be here. You know, I'm (laughs) going to admit I'm, I'm fangirling ever so slightly, but I am wonderful and I'm very excited to be here with you.
0: I am glad you're here as well. There is not enough British representation on Potterless. There's only so many times that Dottie can come in and save my ass from looking very silly and uninformed. So I am glad that you are here for a very important chapter. And the reason that you are here specifically is I had a bit of a hard time finding someone that actually liked Snape. But... (laughs) You expressed (laughs) to me that you're a little less on the fuck Snape scale than I am. (laughs) So before we get into this entire chapter being Snape's backstory, pretty much, do you want to give like any of your general thoughts about Snape as a character, why you like him, et cetera?
1: (sighs) Okay, right. So little backstory here. I used to love Harry so much when I was like 11 and the books first came out, I had the biggest crush on Harry. And I thought he was the best, right? So naturally, I hated Snape because I was anyone against Harry. I was like, no, (laughs) leave him alone. And then as the story progressed, as we're about to find out, um, and I got older also, I just kind of saw this the side to Snape that, I don't know, my sister used to have a crush on Snape and I never, never got it until (laughs) now I'm I'm a grown woman. I'm like, you know what? I see it. I see the appeal of Snape. (laughs)
0: <laughs> is it Snape the character or is it Alan Rickman
1: mm, or is it both? I don't know. I don't know. That kind of sleazy, <laughs> slimy thing. It's, it's It shouldn't be right, but it, for me it is. <laughs> no. And, you know, as we'll find out in this chapter, like you really see, it's such an important chapter, which is why I'm kind of also really, really like so nervous and pooping my pants right now. But you just <laughs> see this a completely new side to him that you just didn't see before and... Mm-hmm. Oh, Snape!
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it is definitely a lot. We learn a whole hell of a lot, and we kind of see that backstory. I'm still not uh, not super impressed
1: mm. with,
0: with his development, but like you do get it a little bit more. I still don't think he's uh, perfect, but we'll get no. into it when we get to each individual element.
1: No, no, no. There are bits where I was just like, "Snape, yo, what you saying?" But there is some good intention behind. <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) it it definitely like redeems him a little bit. I am flabbergasted that it's enough where Harry wants to name his kid's middle name after him. But (laughs) I
1: don't know, so we'll
0: see. But let's get into the chapter because it is a beefy one. So this is chapter 33, The Prince's Tale. So we pick up and this is right after Snape just got murdered by a giant snake. (laughs) So Harry is kneeling at Snape's side until he and the squad hears Voldemort's voice again. And you get the creepy, ominous voice that everyone can hear at full volume saying, you have fought valiantly. Lord Voldemort knows how to reward bravery. And again, I, I used to think him talking about himself in the third person was like kind of endearing. And now I'm just so over it because he's doing it a lot, yeah. especially in these past <laughs> few chapters.
1: And that, like, especially because these days I don't have time to just sit down and read. So I listen to Audible. When I, I keep get, I listen to Harry Potter like quite a lot on Audible, and Stephen Fry is the one I listen to, mm-hmm. and they add like this weird like reverb onto Voldemort's yep. voice, so it's just like Harry Potter. <gasps> And I'm like, okay, he sounds like he's actually in the room right now, (laughs) or in my brain.
0: The Stephen Fry audiobooks are very interesting because they don't have a lot of sound effects and stuff, but every now and then they will do an audio effect like that, where you'll get an echo if it's like the Quidditch announcers or Voldemort. So it always comes by surprise when they do an audio effect. It seems like too few. Like, it seems like they should have done more than they did, because every time that happens, it's just, it feels a little out of place, but at the same time, the effect I Get it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cause when it happened, you're like, um, sorry what? <laughs> Where did come But he does nail like the voices. Yeah. Like his hagrid is spot on. I love his Hermione. His Voldemort, though, is kind of freaky, especially because with that added kind of like echo. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, really
0: drives it home. So Voldemort continues and says, though you have sustained great losses, if you continue to resist me, you will all die one by one. So he keeps going on. He says he doesn't want this to happen because spilling magical blood is a loss and a waste, blah, blah, blah. And so Voldemort calls for his forces to retreat. And he says that he's giving everyone an hour to collect their dead and treat their injured. And then he addresses Harry directly, even though he's still talking to everyone. Mm-hmm. And he says that he will wait for one hour in the Forbidden Forest, which is, of course, like, it's so dramatic of Voldemort to be like, <laughs> yeah. meet me in the creepiest part of Hogwarts. Ugh, he's yeah. such a theatric.
1: He's like, meet me in the hallway. Yeah. That's where most people would meet, you know, like in the foyer of a hotel. Like, just meet me in the hallway. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, please meet me in the creepy Forbidden Forest. <laughs> uh, he's such a drama queen. But
1: I also <laughs> feel like he's such a wiss. Like, he's a w- like he just, ca- he just can't handle people. He would just rather hide away and be like, come meet me in here in secret. Because mm-hmm. I'm actually a big baby. Yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> if he wanted it to be peak. Theatrics, he should have said, like, meet me in the middle of the Quidditch field, yeah. and then everyone could have been in the stands to watch it. I feel like yeah. that could have been way more fun,
1: yeah. I agree. And then maybe the Quidditch
0: pitch would get destroyed in the fight, and I'd be really happy. <laughs> so he says he'll wait for an hour in the Forbidden Forest, and he says that if Harry doesn't turn himself in within that hour, battle will recommence, and he will enter the fray himself, which is. Scary, seeing that Mm. he could probably kill a lot of people very easily.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would just be game over, basically. Yeah,
0: Yeah. not great. So he says that he will punish Harry and every man, woman, and child that has tried to conceal Harry from him. So he's just being incredibly (sighs) ominous, really trying to play out what he said to Snape earlier, which is he knows that Harry won't be able to live with himself if Mm. he knows that people are dying because of him. And, like... You got to respect it because this is brilliant strategy by Voldemort because it's clearly working on Harry. Yeah.
1: He knows him too well. He's already said that. Exactly. He's like, I'm just going to guilt trip him so bad that he just ha- he just has to come.
0: And it does work. So props to Voldemort. Yeah. So Hermione says that they should just go to the castle and figure out a new plan. And Harry is just very confused. He doesn't know how to feel. He's still in shock by the whole Snape situation. And while they are making their way to the castle, Harry cannot get the quote from Voldemort out of his head that he said during this tirade, where he says, you have permitted your friends to die for you rather than face me yourself. And Harry just keeps, like, thinking about that over and over again, meaning the Voldemort's plan is working. So the squad gets to the castle, and it is unnaturally silent, and the castle itself is just absolutely wrecked and Hermione wonders where everyone is. They head to the Great Hall, and all of the survivors are huddled together with Madame Pomfrey and some helpers healing people on the stage of the Great Hall. So Firenze is injured, a bunch of dead bodies are just laying in the hallway, and all of the Weasleys are surrounded around Fred's body. Without saying a word, Hermione goes to Ginny and gives her a hug, and Ron goes to Bill, Fleur, and Percy, who puts an arm around Ron's shoulder. Uh. Uh, It's. I have already been so torn apart by the Fred death and we've talked about it at length, but still every time it comes up, that was just rough, man. I know. He's just so good.
1: The Weasleys uh, are, are like my favorites and to see them torn apart is just heartbreaking. Like. It's just, it, you just don't want to believe it. Yeah. You're just like, no, it's, it's still not true. He's gonna, he's gonna wake up any moment and they're gonna be so happy, but no, it doesn't happen. And mm. It's just the worst.
0: Yeah, it's pretty rough. Speaking of pretty rough, the next thing that Harry sees, and I was shocked at how abrupt this was, he just sees Remus and Tonks dead. Yep. Just like, ugh, yeah. I I was floored by this. I didn't have as strong of a... I was more saddened by Fred's because mm-hmm. I liked Fred more, and it was more drawn out, and you like knew it was coming, and it was still pretty abrupt as he was mid joke when it happened. Yeah, but with Remus and Tonks, it's just all of the sudden That's they're dead,
1: savage and as well. You
0: don't get to see it happen, and yeah, I I believe I talked about this in an episode of Potterus that I recorded with Johnny about trying to figure out what other deaths are next. And I believe I said, I think one of Lupin or Tonks could die, but there's no way they killed both. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, not great. Because, like, now Teddy Tonks, little baby Teddy, is an orphan. Yeah. oh,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that that was pretty savage of J.K. to be like, no, they're all going to die. Yeah. (laughs) It's so savage and abrupt. You can just get this clear image of what it just looks like. Just this horrible, horrible, gut-wrenching scene of all these people that were so close to Harry and protected him. They're just gone. Mm -hmm. I think that the sudden dramatics of that then embellish more of like what he kind of goes through later. Yes,
0: totally. And... As I've mentioned previously for the other chapters, JK does an incredible job of writing the narrator in a way and making the reader feel in a way that parallels what Harry is going through Mm. because for Harry it's so abrupt and shocking and he didn't see it happen and he's just confused and he basically just has to leave because he can't think about it. And reading it, I felt the same thing where it's just so quick that it doesn't process. Yeah. Like you feel exactly like Harry where you're just thinking, wait, what? No, no. What no, they're not dead. It's wild.
1: It's hard to believe things like this this isn't real. I'm just keep on walking. That's not them. Mm -hmm. That's not I'm just imagining it. Yeah
0: they're just asleep. They're not dead. I'm out of here. Yeah. Hey, Editing Mike here. So, Helen and I got into a conversation about the Ted Lupin spin off story that needs to happen, but I've talked about this in the past like three episodes of Potterless, so I cut it except for the ending part, which is pretty fun. So, here's that. I mean, and maybe she'll make it later down the road, but yes, you bring up a very good point. Is he a werewolf? Is he a metamorph magus? Is he a werewolf that can change the color of his fur?
1: Yes! <laughs> like,
0: can he be a pink werewolf? Can he be light blue? Can he have zigzags? Can he have a zebra pattern? I I need to know all of these things. And I tweeted about this today. I would much rather hear his story than Newt Scamanders, dude who writes a textbook.
1: Like, who gives a shit? I know. I don't care.
0: (laughs) Ridiculous. I I also
1: have my gripes against the Fantastic Beasts franchise, but, you know, we'll be here all day if you hear
0: That's Yeah, that's for another time. We have too many things to discuss. (laughs) So Harry just can't bear to see any more bodies of people that he knows. So he just bounces and runs straight to Dumbledore's office. Mm-hmm. He gets to the gargoyle. And in the audiobook, I was listening for this portion, the gargoyle asks for password. And Stephen Fry's voice for it is very sassy, which seems <laughs> not correct for the time it's like password. It's like, yo, gargoyle, you know what the stakes are. McGonagall did the thing where all of the statues know what's going on. This is not a time to be cute and coy.
1: Yeah, I did think that. I was like, have you kind of forgotten uh, what's going on downstairs? I like
0: to imagine he was in the bathroom while all of this was happening, or he wasn't paying attention or whatever, and he has no idea what's going on. He thinks it's just like a big earthquake. I'm very confused at how out of the loop this gargoyle was, yeah. or that no one told Stephen Fry, uh, can you... Can you take that one again? Yeah. <laughs> can you try that and sound a little less sassy, Steven.
1: And um, also, can I just say, how obvious was the password? Dumbledore.
0: <sighs> I have talked about this at length. <laughs> the security system for Dumbledore's office is awful. First off, when it was the names of desserts, Mm -hmm. You could just rattle off desserts. There was no maximum amount because there have been multiple times where Harry just starts blurting out different desserts that exist. Mm -hmm. There's no password reset thing. It's not like an iPhone where if you mess up a certain amount of times, you have to wait 10 minutes. (laughs) And then if you wait more, they lock it out for an hour. The security system here, not great. And yes, as you mentioned, Harry just screams Dumbledore because that's who he wants to see, not even remembering the whole password protocol. And it opens Who changed the password to Dumbledore? Why is there still even a password? Uh, So many questions. He might
1: as well have just said password. Yep. What's your password? Password.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's how strict the password security is for this office. Username is username. Password is password. Maybe it's like Dumbledore 1 and the D is capital. (laughs) Uh, That's the furthest extent we're going to go. Yeah. (laughs) It's Dumbledore, but the L is a one and uh geez. So he goes in and he goes straight to the pensive and pours in Snape's memories, and then he dives in and starts going to The memories that Snape has given to Harry before he does go in, Harry takes note that all of the portraits of the headmasters are empty, meaning that they have left to go look at the battle. So I'm, again, very frustrated because I've been saying this since the beginning of book seven, is that Harry should have talked to the Dumbledore painting. Mm. I don't know if Dumbledore is also one of the paintings that has left. He says that they were all blank. Maybe chapter 34 he talks to the Dumbledore painting. I haven't read that yet, obviously. But if Harry leaves this book not talking to painting Dumbledore at any point in time, I will be (laughs) livid. I will be furious because it seems so obvious. And even in these flashbacks, we have Snape talking to painting Dumbledore a bunch of times. So through this, Harry sees right in his face, hey, talk to Dumbledore's painting, you fucking idiot. (laughs) So I'm really hoping that in chapter 34, Harry has a whole conversation about Dumbledore's painting. Otherwise, I'm going to freak out and rip my book in half. This
1: is my problem with this book. Okay, Harry's been confused about a lot of things in this book and didn't think to once perhaps try and find a picture of Dumbledore which he could speak to. Right. I'm like, he just looks at his eye in the mirror and he's like, oh, is that Dumbledore? Like, why didn't you go find a photograph or a a painting? And be like, yo, Dumbles. What's up? <laughs> what do I need to
0: do? <laughs> I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Get a tiny little canvas painting, <laughs> or inside of a locket. Yeah. Like that's what Dumbledore should have done before he died. When they were commissioning the headmaster painting, it's like, can you also make a copy inside a very tiny locket or pocket watch that I can give to this boy? Because what's revealed in these memories is that Dumbledore knows he's going to die within a year. Yes. And right? he knows he's going to be giving this task to Harry, and he's not going to be there with him on the journey.
1: Exactly.
0: So. Give Give Harry a little painting. Or
1: a passport size one. Right? Like, you know, like put it in his, like, the little picture bit of his wallet. Be like... Harry, have <laughs> this too.
0: It seems so obvious. Uh, so anyway, let's get into these memories of, in the pensive. So the first one we see, it is a sunny setting and there are two girls swinging on a playground. And there is a skinny boy with black hair, who is Snape, at age nine, watching them from behind some bushes. So right off the bat, <laughs> I'm going into this knowing that these memories are supposed to give, you know, Snape's explanation his side of the story. And the first thing we see is, oh, cool, Snape's a stalker, tight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, slimy Snape strikes again. (laughs) So
0: the narrator describes that Snape's clothes are awful and all mismatched. And I realize, oh, this has got to be Lily and Petunia. And it is soon confirmed that it is. So Lily on the swings goes off for a big jump despite Petunia's protest and she flies too high in the sky and lands too gracefully for it not to be magic. Mm-hmm. And I was confused at first because I was like, wait a second, if they're only nine, it's pre-Hogwarts, but then I remembered it's kind of it's like a more controlled version of when Harry was accidentally doing magic and he didn't mm. know what was going on, like when his hair kept growing back and when he jumped too high and all this other stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I used to jump off the swing all the time mm-hmm. when I was younger and uh, was convinced that I was flying but I would sing I believe I can fly
0: <laughs> May that song rest in peace now that <laughs> yeah, R. Kelly is complete garbage sauce. <laughs> uh, but yeah I used to jump up the swings a bunch too thankfully I had like an all grass backyard in my house and, mm-hmm. and landing was always not too much of a problem when they were first describing it because Petunia's like no no don't do it don't do it I thought she was gonna try to do the thing where you do like around the world oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> you could never, ever achieve, no matter how hard you try.
0: No, you need the swing set that's like a steel bar, not like the chain, if yeah. you want to do that. Otherwise, you're going to hit your head on the pole. But Petunia still yells at Lily afterwards when she's done this magical landing, saying, Mommy told you not to. Mommy said you weren't allowed to, Lily. And Lily says it's fine and shows off some more magic to Petunia, who she calls Toonie, and she takes a fallen flower and makes it open and close like an oyster. Petunia is being the fun police and Mm -hmm. throws it to the ground and asks with a bit of longing how she does it. So clearly they make it Apparent that Petunia's anger stems from jealousy of Lily's magical abilities.
1: She's jelly belly. She's so Mm -hmm. jealous.
0: Very much so. So after Petunia asks how you do it, Snape jumps out from behind the bush and says, it's obvious, isn't it? Petunia runs away. Very smart. Lily stands her ground. Not so smart. Snape is then embarrassed, and the narrator says, quote, Snape regretted his sudden appearance. Well, yeah, no shit, (laughs) Snape. It was, like, a very creepy thing to do.
1: Yeah, like, I think at this point, you kind of realize that Snape is already pretty socially awkward and Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to communicate with people properly. Like, just from that tiny section.
0: We will also soon learn that, even at a young age, he's racist. (laughs) (laughs) he says to her I know what you are you're a witch and (laughs) Lily says it's not that's not nice to say and leaves Snape not taking the hint chases after them (laughs) looking bat like which he has been described as in this book and he tries to talk more reason into her he says you are you are a witch I've been watching you for a while (laughs) so we now learn that at age nine Snape is already a stalker and a mansplainer so real good Good luck for Snape. <laughs> he explains that he's a wizard and that his mom is a witch. And Petunia says, oh, I know who you are. You're that Snape boy from Spinner's End, which is just such a like such a gross name of a street for him yeah. to live on. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of Skid Row from <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the area of town. They really don't want to go to Spinner's End. Spinner's End kind of sounds like a typical... British kind of village that you when you're driving through the country, you're like, you see the name and you're like, oh, that sounds nice. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't,
0: to me, it just sounded so like, uh yeah. Like, end. I think end is yeah. just the most depressing name for a town or a village or even a street. You know, if you live on something end, it's just... I don't know. There's something ominous about it. Yeah, it's, yeah ooh, the, the end.
1: They're so going to drop off the edge of the world or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Petunia asks why he's been spying on them. And he says he hasn't been, and <laughs> which is a lie. But then he says, oh, well, I wouldn't spy on you anyway because you're a muggle. So now we learn that he's a stalker, he's a mansplainer, and he's a racist, all at age nine. How accomplished Snape is. <laughs> <laughs> so Petunia and Lily leave and Snape looks dejected and the memory fades and we go to a new memory. And it's two children, Lily and a boy, talking in the forest about the Ministry of Magic's rules for doing magic outside of school. It takes you a bit to realize it, but the boy is Snape. So now we have Lily and Snape being friendly towards each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. Snape explains Hogwarts, saying that it's real, it's not a rumor, that you should get a letter, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Lily asks if the letter will come by Owl, and Snape says usually, but since she's a Muggle-born, someone from the school will have to come in person to explain it. Lily asks if it matters being a muggle-born, which I thought was so good, and Snape goes through a little mental struggle. Yes. And then he says, no, it doesn't <laughs> make any difference, which is a fucking lie. While well, he's
1: gritting his teeth mm-hmm. with his little beady eyes. No, no. it doesn't make any <laughs> difference. It's fine. Oh, must impress, girl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> uh, he's such a liar oh, Snipe. so again he talks about how much magic he has seen her do in all of the times that he's watched her so he's stalked her multiple times she lays down on the ground and the narrator describes his looking at her as watching her quote even more greedily which <laughs> is a very creepy description of a way to look at a human <laughs> and lily asks how things are going in snape's house Snape says that there's still a lot of arguing between his parents and he's excited to get out of the house and go to Hogwarts. Lily then asks about Dementors and Snape says that Dementors aren't gonna come after Lily for doing magic outside of school. They give you a pass if you've done little magic here and there before taking the classes, et cetera. And at this point, Petunia then enters and we realize that she was hiding behind some trees.
1: She's spying now.
0: I know, the shoe is on the other table That is turned. So Snape then, and challenges her, asking what she wants. Why is she hiding and creeping on them? And Petunia makes fun of his blouse, asking if he got it from his mother, which is very plausible that he did. And then a branch cracks and hits her on the head. And Lily asks Snape if he did this. And Snape very unconvincingly says no, which makes it very clear to Lily that he did do it on purpose. So Lily runs away angrily.
1: I was thinking about this. Okay, so kids get a free pass before they go to Hogwarts, before they've got their wand to do mm-hmm. magic because they can't control it. But what if he completely knocked a fucking tree down? Yeah. <laughs> and killed Petunia. If
0: he did more than just a branch, if he did the whole tree. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, is there like a juvie for kids in, in Azkaban? Know. Because, you know, I, I don't think you can somewhat haul past anything. <laughs> I
0: think I know that some colleges and some high schools do this where people can take classes during the summer early. I Mm. knew some people in college who like if their high school wasn't up to snuff or if they needed to like take a prep course they could go to college during the summer before the semester actually started so that they you know hit the ground running and made sure that they were where you needed to be as a freshman. Maybe if you have the ability where you can start doing intentional magic they bring you to Hogwarts early because in harry's case it was completely unintentional he had no idea what was going on his hair growing was not intentional him that time he jumped like on the school roof or whatever that wasn't intentional Mm. what lily is doing is intentional but not harmful she's floating from swing jumps she's making flowers do pretty things that's fine snape is hurting other children (laughs) i feel like the ministry (laughs) should watch that and be like all right let's put this kid in school (laughs) Let's get him away from the public. He's clearly a danger to society.
1: Send him to summer camp.
0: Right? Yeah. There should be a summer camp for kids who can already do magic willingly. Because that was the thing. Like, Fred and George did some things to Ron at age five and almost got him in trouble. I feel like if you pull some shit, you should <laughs> you should be put away from the public.
1: And I feel like kids, especially, can be super cruel.
0: Oh, totally. Just
1: out of just curiosity, like... I don't know, putting salt on a snail or something just to watch it fizz. You're like, whoa, I should have done that. Whoopsie. (sighs) You know, Mm -hmm. there's no knowing what Snape could do.
0: Yeah. What if he starts torturing (laughs) squirrels? Not a good look.
1: (laughs) Roasting dogs.
0: (laughs) So that memory fades and we get a new memory, which takes place at platform nine and three quarters. And Snape is with his mother and he is staring at the Evans family and he overhears Lily talking to Petunia saying that once she gets to school, she's going to try to talk to Dumbledore to reverse his decision and let her in. It's such a sweet... Sign, if anything, the only thing we learn from these flashbacks is that Lily is a saint. Yes. And she deserved better than James Potter. Yes. <laughs>
1: and
0: I think the, the memory is more than anything, it just makes Lily look really good. But yeah. she is being really kind to Petunia, but Petunia's being very angry and acting like she doesn't wanna go. She says things like, you think I wanna be a freak? and she says that Hogwarts is just a special school for freaks and for weirdos, and it's good that you're separated from the rest of us normal people. uh, You can tell it's all out of anger and jealousy, but it's still still gross to read about, because the thing you have to keep reminding yourself is this is all happening to them at age 10 or age 11. It's so hard to imagine going through this as a fifth grader.
1: Exactly. I feel like there is some deep-rooted, admiration towards Lily Mm -hmm. from Petunia, even though shes it's like completely doused in jealousy. Right. I do feel like she desperately wants to be her and she doesn't want to admit it, but I feel like she definitely is in awe of her sister. And, you know, I think she's just always covered it up. But I I feel personally like I've always sensed it that she actually really, really loves her.
0: Yes, I think she does deep down. And I think it's not even that she wants to necessarily be her sister. I think it's more if she just doesn't want to be separated from her sister. Yeah. I think Petunia would rather them both be witches or them both be muggles yeah. and not be separated in some way. I can sympathize with this. I did a tennis camp in the summers when I was growing up in New Jersey and there was the beginner camp and the advanced camp. And at the beginning of every tennis camp, the first couple hours you would just, there were eight courts and you would just warm up and and you know, just rally with the counselors and if you did well, you would move up a court and if you were doing poorly they'd move you down a court and this was just so they could separate like who's beginners and who weren't and I remember the cutoff was court four and five because the first four were the beginner courts and Mm -hmm. five through eight were the advanced ones and I remember I moved my way up to court four and was stuck there and my buddy Josh got moved up to court five at like the last minute and we were going to be separated and Josh did the ultimate bro move and asked if he could be put down in the beginner camp Uh. with me. (laughs) It's still like one of the nicest things he ever did to me. He was my best friend (laughs) growing Up and that's still like to this day is one of the most admirable things. Yeah, because we were also we were 11, so it was like the same age. It was still like one of the nicest things anyone has ever done for me. Yeah. I was holding back tears, and he was like, "No, nah, man, I'm gonna stay down." And I was like, "Oh my god,
1: <laughs> you're so kind." <laughs> oh, that's so
0: cute. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's just heartbreaking to see what is going through because you also can't blame her. Yeah. She's 11. Like this is completely normal. It sucks that she keeps repeatedly calling her sister a weirdo and a freak and a creep mm-hmm. and a not normal person but you can also sympathize because i don't know when you're that young i get it
1: i'd be exactly the same right if i was her and my sister could do all that cool stuff i would be so jealous mm-hmm. and i would <laughs> probably be a total dick to her <laughs> <laughs>
0: So speaking of being a dick, she goes on and on and it gets to the point where Lily gets a little upset and hits her with, you didn't think it was weird when you wrote to the headmaster begging (gasps) to be let in, which we (laughs) see where Harry gets it from now. Petunia is now furious at Lily for looking at this letter that Dumbledore wrote to Petunia saying that it was my private business. Why did you read it? And Lily says that Snape saw it and was shocked that a muggle could even contact Hogwarts so they wanted to see what it was about. And that's the end of that memory. So we go to a new one and it's Snape in the Hogwarts Express walking through the corridor and he sees Lily. So he sits down next to her and she had been crying and Snape doesn't understand why. <laughs> he doesn't get why Petunia <laughs> hating Lily is a big deal. He goes, so what? She's only, uh, But then catches himself before being racist in front of his crush. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And Lily is so upset that she didn't notice. Oh. Snape tries to lighten the mood saying like, we're doing it. We're going. We're finally going to Hogwarts. You better be in Slytherin. And at the time he says this, you hear f- someone from the side go, Slytherin? And it's James. And <laughs> oh, baby. I was just eating it up at this point. Like oh. peak bird Birdman meme, because here we go, rubbing his hands together. (laughs) James goes on to say, I'd leave if I got sorted into there, wouldn't you? And he turns to Sirius Black, which, oh my goodness, is so good. So Sirius mentions his family history that everybody's been in Slytherin, but I want to break that tradition. And he then asks James where he wants to go. And James says, Gryffindor, obviously. And at this point, Snape kind of sneers at him. And James asks, oh, you got a problem with that? And Snape says, no, if you'd rather be brawny than brainy and (laughs) serious claps back with well where do you want to go seeing as you're neither which oh damn
1: (laughs) 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 i mean they're quite funny for For a bunch of 11 year
0: olds there's no way i was this funny (laughs) or even if i was funny i was not this good at like quick witty snapbacks yeah
1: Christ. (laughs) Lily
0: tells Snape that they should leave and they depart in kind of a huff. James and Sirius make fun of her tone. They go, and James tries to trip Snape on his way out. And it's the first instance where he says, see you later, Snivellus. So it's the beginning of that nickname, which Snape hates so much.
1: I really don't like James at this point. Like James at this point is like the equivalent of Malfoy.
0: Yes, that's the picture they're trying to paint. Like,
1: Like you can just picture him being from a really kind of well-off, like middle-class family where he's had everything he's ever wanted. I want to be
0: Gryffindor like my dad. Yeah.
1: And he's (laughs) come from like a shiny background who, he's just so arrogant and, you know, well-kept and Mm well-fed. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it just doesn't know how lucky he is. Yes. And I just kind of hate him at this moment.
0: Which you should. I mean, (laughs) I don't like James Potter. Obviously we don't, get a lot of insight into the point in which he becomes a good person because that kind of happens all once him and Lily start becoming a thing. Mm. It seems like he's that guy who was a jerk until senior year of high school. I've said this on previous episodes of Potteros, but he reminds me of Steve from Stranger Things where he's a jerk until he gets a girlfriend that's a nice person. And then she turns him into a nice dude. So we don't get to see a lot of that James development, but all the stuff we see sucks. But I like that this made it into the memories because I don't know exactly how making these pensive memories works. I would imagine that the person who does it Takes specific things out and has a key point for picking all the memories. So I like to think that Snape chose these so that Harry can see all the backstory. But ultimately, like this isn't necessarily mm. a crucial element to the story, but he's including like, you know, I got to make sure Harry sees that his dad was a dick to me that one time <laughs> yeah. when we were 11 years like old.
1: He's purposefully <laughs> painting this picture of how his kind of childhood developed and how all of, Harry's parents and everyone in his life is like were involved in kind of making Snape the way he was. Yeah, it's almost like he's like orchestrating this purposefully like I'm just going to put in this minor detail and then (laughs) this one because I think it's kind of important to like portray like what's going on
0: (laughs) it's like when you have an assignment for something whether it's like a high school or college assignment you have a certain amount of pages or you have like character count limit on something and then you find you have extra room and you're like oh let me put in this extra (laughs) sentence or let me put in this extra joke (laughs) because I have room so he's like let me put in this part where I just make James like real bad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it also would be really funny if Snape who should have put together all of the memories of like explaining his backstory instead it's just like a laundry list of all of the shitty things James ever did to Snape <laughs> and Harry gets out of the pence of thinking well what, what was the point of all that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: comes out completely confused all right pass Mike I know you're getting really worked up about this fictional character but how about you take a breather because it's time for Wingardium Madridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by HoneyBook. Let's say hypothetically that you wanted to start a Harry Potter podcast and all you really want to focus on is the creation of that podcast, but it becomes a small business, which is a good thing, but then you have to do so many other things like communications with guests and you have to book things and sign off on contracts and pay for your medical insurance so that Amanda from Multitude doesn't get mad at you for having overdue invoices. You need something that can make all of this simple and easy to manage. And that's where HoneyBook can come in. HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. They've got professional templates, email signatures, built-in automation, all of this stuff that keeps you on track and makes you look good. I have a HoneyBook account, and it is incredibly easy and simple to put all of these things together. I used to do this thing where I would just leave emails as unread, thinking I would go back and check them. My inbox is over 2,000 unread emails, clearly this does not work. HoneyBook does. It also allows you to consolidate services that you already use, such as QuickBooks, the Google Suite, Excel, MailChimp, Gmail. I use some of those things and it made integration so easy and that's why HoneyBook is the number one choice for client and business management, for freelancers and business owners, so you can save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. And if this sounds interesting to you, you are in luck because HoneyBook is offering a sweet discount. You can get 50% off your first year of HoneyBook with promo code Potterless. The payment is flexible, so whether you're signing up for a monthly account or an annual payment account, you will get 50% off your first year if you go to HoneyBook.com and use code POTTERLESS at checkout. Again, HoneyBook.com, promo code POTTERLESS. You'll get 50% off your first year so you can keep yourself more organized and look professional even though you're not that professional of a person. You're just making fun of children's books professionally. today! And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death So we get a new memory, and now it is Lily getting sorted into Gryffindor, and they describe it as happening immediately, so the sorting hat gets put on her head, and right away, it's just like, Gryffindor! (laughs) (laughs) So Lily, when she's walking back, gives kind of a sad smile to Snape, and she makes her way towards the Gryffindor table. James scoots over to make room for her, and she sits down, but refuses to face him, which is nice. Yeah. Snape is then called up, and the sorting hat very quickly also puts him into Slytherin, and that's the end of that memory. The next one is one of Lily and Snape arguing. Harry notes that they are taller, so we know that some time has passed. And it has Snape saying to Lily, I thought we were supposed to be friends, best friends. And Lily replies, We are Sev, which ew, I don't, I don't like her having a little like pet <laughs> nickname for him. No. <laughs> she says, We are Sev, but I don't like some of the people you're hanging around with. And my note I wrote, Oh, you mean the racists? <laughs>
1: uh man. No, I well, regarding his pet name, Sev, I mean, Snape is just as easy to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, normally you have a pet name, Sev, like an abbreviation of someone's name.
0: It is a bit nicer just because yeah. it's not like Snape is a nickname. It's just his last name.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Which could come off as less informal. At least what happens in these books is that when bullies... Talk to people that they don't like, they refer to oh, them by yeah, the last, they refer to their last name. name. So Snape always yeah. calls James and Harry Potter, and Malfoy <laughs> always calls Harry Potter.
1: It's probably because, like, you hear Snape's name being Snape, and it is quite in a Snape, like seven. Yeah, it
0: Snape. sounds like Snape. So it's
1: horrible, but. When she calls him Sev, it sounds a bit warmer and nicer. And you're like, you yeah. know, that's not Snape. Yes. He's a slime yeah. ball. That's exactly
0: <laughs> what it is. It's too cute and nice of a nickname. You're like, no, it doesn't. that doesn't work for him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you call him, like, Verus. Like, that would be gross enough.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Sounds Uh, like phlegm. Like a a word for phlegm. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: Lily calls out specifically that she doesn't see what he likes in Avery and Mulciber. Snape gets a bit defensive and he brings up the marauders, all of Potter and his friends. And Lily's like, what? I, I don't. I don't hang out with them. What? Why are you talking about them? I guess just because they're Gryffindors. He also gets into his theory about Lupin. He suspects very early on that Lupin is a werewolf, which we know about all of that stuff from book three with the whole talk of finding out about Lupin and then the Shrieking Shack stuff, blah, blah, blah. Lily goes on to ask, why are you so obsessed with them? Cueing Mariah Carey's famous song in the background. (laughs) And she brings up hearing that James saved his life by the Whomping Willow. And that just sets Snape off on a whole anger thing because (laughs) how dare anyone think that James Potter saved his life. Yeah, right. So he really (laughs) wants to set the record straight saying like, I won't let you believe that and Lily claps back immediately with let me and Snape tries to clarify, taking a step back, he tries to backtrack saying he's just looking out for her because James fancies her and he's not as great as everyone thinks he is (laughs) and then (laughs) <laughs> Lily says I know James Potter is an arrogant toe rag I don't need you to tell me that but Mulciber and Avery's brand of humor is evil I don't know how you can be friends with them here's a question is calling someone a toe rag is that a British thing does anyone actually say that
1: oh yeah you filthy toe rag I mean not, not many not people say toe rag anymore I think that's like my mum would probably say oh you toe rag uh-huh. you toe rag I don't know yeah it definitely is it's a it is a form of an insult but it's not. It's like a soft insult. I like to What
0: call. even is a toe rag?
1: Toe rag. You know, what I don't actually know. I just. You, you know, when you just brought up on things, you don't know what they mean.
0: Yeah, like if you call someone a doofus, and it's just a word you've heard for a long time, you're like, I guess it means someone that isn't smart. <laughs> yeah,
1: <sighs> toe rag. I mean, whenever I say the word toe rag, I actually envisage a toad for some reason, oh, (laughs) which is (laughs) toe rag, toad. Like they're not related at all, but that's just what I think of when I say toe rag. (laughs) It's one of those things, I'm just brought up on the word toe rag, no idea.
0: I would assume that it is some sort of rag for your toes, which sounds gross. Yeah. Now, just in case Dottie knows what this is, (laughs) I think we should call, even though we have a UK (laughs) guest on, we should call in our UK correspondent, Dottie (laughs) James. (laughs) And now it is time for British Quandaries with UK Correspondent Dotty James.
1: A toe rag means someone beneath you, the lowest of the low. Google says it comes from the time when men wore stockings instead of socks and is used as an insult to describe someone who is the lowest of the low. This has been
0: British Quandaries with UK Correspondent Dotty James. Wow, Dottie, thank you so much for giving us this UK knowledge about toe rags that Helen couldn't produce for (laughs) us.
1: I'm the worst. (laughs) (laughs) You had
0: one job, two jobs, be British and be funny. Oh,
1: God. (sighs)
0: Uh, Well, yeah, I guess I'm guessing it's some sort of wreck for your foot. We'll see. Snape ignores all of Lily's questioning of his choice of friends. Instead, he's just really happy that she shit on James. (laughs) So he's walking with a pep in his step afterwards. And that's the end of that memory. (sighs) So now we cut to the Great Hall after the OWLs. And it's the pantsing memory that we've seen before. So Harry keeps his distance because he doesn't want to see his dad being a piece of shit, which... I get, makes sense. Yeah. But he does hear the part where Snape yells and calls her a mudblood. Oh, and that's the end of that memory. So a new one is now immediately after that. It's Snape apologizing to Lily outside the Gryffindor common room. And she's just having none of it. It's later at night, so we assume it's the night after this incident took place. Lily says, I only came out because Mary said you were threatening to sleep here. Oh and gosh. Snape says he was, which... Like, I get it, dude, but, ugh. It's, it's that
1: typical kind of teenage mentality. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if you, you date someone when you're a teenager and you break up with them and then they act all dramatic, like, well, if you won't take me back, I'm just going to stop eating. Yep. And you're like, oh, for God's sake, I roll. Like, you could not make me want to see you even less if you tried right now because this feeble attempt of trying to make me want you it's not working. It's a turn off. So Yes. Yeah, please don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing is bad and Lily calls him out for it because he doesn't actually feel bad about what he did he's just sorry for making Lily upset and that he was mean to Lily? Mm. He says, "I never meant to call you Mudblood; it just slipped out." Which is a very PewDiePie response, yeah. <laughs> like very racist YouTube gamer of, "Oh yeah, I just said the n-word when I got angry playing <laughs> video games. I'm not racist; it just blurted out. I'm sorry. I stub my toe a lot, and I don't spew racial splurs out. No. I usually just get mad and then yell at the door like it was the door's fault. Yeah, but I." Don't don't scream expletives that are derogatory of racial (laughs) connotation.
1: Exactly.
0: So I just, this is not making Snape look good. (laughs) I just think less and less of him with every
1: memory. It's just like, put your spade down, Snape. Stop digging yourself in a hole here. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like his reasoning for apologizing, like I just can't help but feel, it's just his kind of selfishness in a way, like he's only apologizing for saying that because... He doesn't want her to think badly of him. Oh yeah. Yeah, he just he just wants her. And I guess, you know, you know, fucked up roundabout way you think, oh, that's kind of cute, but really he's he messed up and he he doesn't want her to think, oh snape your ass. Mm-hmm. He wants her to to feel good towards him. And but yeah, this that whole section was just totally cringe because it just took <laughs> me back to being like a like a kid and having those kind of a weird ass like Relations of people that are just too dramatic You're like just stop mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: to quote the great poet Rihanna. Don't say you're sorry because you're not <laughs> when I know you're only sorry you yeah. got caught. <laughs> that was quite a show. <laughs> that's I mean, that's what it is. He's not actually sorry. No, he's just sad that he made her upset yeah. because Lily calls him out saying that he calls all muggles mudblood. And the only reason that he's being apologetic is because you called me a mudblood and you like me. So Lily says that she is done making excuses for him. She says that all of her friends wonder why she even puts up with Snape and all of his Death Eater friends. And after saying that, Snape doesn't protest. So then she calls him out and says, see, you're not even trying to deny that you and all your friends want to become Death Eaters and follow he who must not be named afterwards.
1: (laughs) You know, this already sounds like they're in a kind of a serious relationship. Like this whole argument is like they're almost married. (laughs) Like, you're not even going to deny it. (laughs) 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 just go
0: (laughs) and yes then at this point Lily cites that he calls all muggles mudbloods and then the memory ends we go to a new memory and it's adult Snape he is afraid And he is waiting, and there is a bright light, which almost looks like lightning. And Snape drops to his knees, drops his wand, and says, don't kill me. And then Dumbledore enters, saying, that was not my intention. So it's Dumbledore who apparated in. He asks Snape what message Voldemort has for him. And Snape says that he's actually here on his own account. He says that he has a request for Dumbledore about the prophecy. Dumbledore knows that... He overheard the prophecy because of the whole interview with Trelawney thing. Mm. And Snape warns that Voldemort thinks that it's Lily Evans at the center of the prophecy. And Dumbledore is being perfectly smug and coy and disappointed all at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's really good sassy Dumbledore in this particular (laughs) memory. It's really solid. So he's got no patience for this, saying, well, the prophecy wasn't about Lily. I remember it being about a boy. And Snape says, oh, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and Dumbledore says, well, why don't you just bargain with Voldemort saying, you know, keep Lily alive but kill the other two. And Snape says he already tried that and Voldemort refused. And Dumbledore just hits him with, you disgust me. <laughs> which is true like it's pretty shitty for snape again to say like i like this girl so don't kill her yeah sure kill the infant and her husband oh yeah. what a
1: dick dumbledore totally set snape up for that one. one hundred percent into that
0: it was the ultimate dwayne wade to lebron james alley-oop where it was complete <laughs> bump set spike and he fell right into the trap <laughs> yeah.
1: it's like when you say like oh, does my butt look big in this? And they go, "Mm, yeah, kind of. What?
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: not the answer I wanted to hear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Mm. So Dumbledore calls him out for not caring about James and Harry. Snape says, fine, save them all. I don't care. And Dumbledore asks, what will you give me in return for trying to protect them? Snape says anything. And that is the end of that memory. So we get into a new one. We're in Dumbledore's office. It is right after Lily has died. And Snape is yelling at Dumbledore saying I thought you were going to protect her and he is not happy when Dumbledore says that Harry lives and he has her eyes Dumbledore tries to reason with Snape saying if you loved Lily Evans if you truly loved her then your way forward is clear and Dumbledore asks Snape to help him protect Harry Snape then makes Dumbledore give him his word that he'll keep it a secret. And it's not for strategic purposes. It has nothing to do with being a double agent with Voldemort and Dumbledore. It's just because he doesn't want people to know that he's helping James's kid. Yeah. And that just is so petty. It's so petty and gross. <laughs> yeah, it is. It
1: is. I mean, I think as as much as like I kind of like love Snape a little bit I also this is one of those things where you're like oh mate grow up mm-hmm. please mm-hmm. I don't even know I mean I wonder how even old he is at this point but he just needs to kind of get over
0: it he would have to be like 21 22 because he's the same age as Lily and James were
1: yeah I think at this point you're like Snape they're dead like mm-hmm. come on <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I know we're being a little hard on Snape so far, but I, the the nature of these memories is that I think the beginning ones are like they show you why he cares about Lily and stuff, but I don't think it starts to make Snape look like a good guy until the end. Yeah, for so sure. I think we are now approaching the Snape becoming a better person argument so we can have a little bit of back and forth and not just the two of us dunking on (laughs) it since your whole reason for being here is to support him because I still don't
1: I mean I still love Snape regardless like it's it's, it's him where I'm like Snape come on come on babes you got this (laughs) you can do this
0: you're so close you
1: know we're nearly there we're nearly there and you will shine through (laughs)
0: So we go into new memory and we cut directly to Snape talking ill about Harry to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore tells him, you see what you expect to see and says that he and a bunch of the other teachers really like Harry and think he's a bright kid. He then very offhandedly mentions for Snape to keep an eye on Quirrell, which I think is pretty funny. And then that's the end of that memory. So we now cut to the night of the Yule Ball. So we're in book four and it's Snape talking to Dumbledore about the Dark. Marks returning to him and to Karkarov. He reveals to Dumbledore that Karkarov is probably going to flee. Dumbledore asks if he's going to do the same. Snape says no. And then we see Fleur and Roger Davies laughing and running off nearby. So we now understand why Snape got so mad and like destroyed the bush that they were making out behind. <laughs> he wasn't just being a cock block. He was angrily letting off steam yeah. about his uh, death eater the- past.
1: We're this hedge. Stop it back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's the end of that memory we go to another new one it's Dumbledore's office and it is Snape healing Dumbledore's burnt hand Aww. and giving him a gold potion and this is where things actually get like really interesting Yeah. so Snape asked Dumbledore why he put the ring on in the first place and we then see the cracked ring with the sword of Gryffindor next to it Dumbledore said he was a fool and was tempted so basically what happened was Dumbledore had this ring which is the horcrux that belonged to Marvolo Gaunt and he got so tempted by it as we see the other horcrux doing that he put it on and then some sort of curse which we aren't explained what the curse is just that it's a super serious curse that starts to take over dumbledore and then i guess he has the wherewithal to stab it with the sword so it stops Mm -hmm. but he still has the curse within him and all snape can do is isolate it just to be in dumbledore's hand and I don't know. I was very surprised by all this going down. I did not anticipate this being the reason why Dumbledore's hand was all burnt and gross looking, but it's pretty wild.
1: Yeah. Um, my thought against this was, why didn't they just cut off Dumbledore's hand? Like, you know, when you have an infected leg and they're like, oh, the infection's going to spread across the rest of your body unless you get it amputated. So I thought, Oh, okay. I mean, that's just a tangent random thought that I just had just then, but no.
0: It is a good thought, though, because Snape later mentions it spreading. Maybe the magic is something where it's already in through all of them, so it doesn't really matter. Maybe it's like zombie bite rules where you could chop it off, but it's already spread to the rest of him. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, you were saying.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I particularly like this section because... Up until there's certain points where, I mean, I've always admired Dumbledore for just being like this all powerful, all wise, wonderful, funny guy. But then there's these like moments where you see him kind of giving into weakness. And I kind of like the dark side of Dumbledore. Yeah. I think it's quite an interesting thing. And you sort of see like this darkness of of Dumbledore. It's like him and Snape are like on the same page at this point. And... Also, I like that Snape is kind of like almost nurturing him, like looking after him and like, oh, what to do that for, silly? Let me look after <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because with these memories, we are basically seeing a nicer side of Snape and a darker side of Dumbledore. Yeah. Because with this memory, this particular one, we get the sense that Dumbledore isn't perfect because even he can fall temptation to the ring. And I don't know like what the ring was like supposed to give him in terms of power and, and what it said to him. We can assume it's it's like the locket where it just kind of overtakes you and you can't really control yourself kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it kind t- of tells you what you want to hear. So it was probably like, put me on Dumbledore. Yeah,
0: maybe it was something <laughs> where it was like, you can put me on Dumbledore and you can use it to destroy Voldemort. Like you're strong enough to overcome the curse. Maybe it's something like that where even it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing that he was looking for, but it could just be the evil of Gaunt or Voldemort or yeah. whatever, the evil of that tricking him into what he wants to hear, much like it did to Ron. Yeah. But we get to see this not perfect side of Dumbledore, and then the last memory, we get to see Dumbledore being a little scary with his yeah. treatment of Harry. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that, but that's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, that's a bit, it was a bit concerning. <laughs> and I know yeah. that people without giving away any spoilers, people have been asking me because we've learned like a little bit here and there about Dumbledore not being perfect where, you know, he apologized to Harry for not telling him all the stuff and blah blah blah, but these are the two first memories where you really see Dumbledore doing some potentially bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's a little interesting now to be second guessing my thoughts on Dumbledore. I'm still kind of confused, but I don't <laughs> know. It's a very interesting revelation.
1: It's one of those times where you see the kind of, yeah, the darker side of Dumbledore, you know, giving in to temptation, putting on the ring. Oh no, he shouldn't have done that. And um, I think it's really cool because the, the first few books, you know, he's this perfect ideal guy that you just love and admire because he's all powerful and you feel safe around him. And he's so warm and kind and, you know, charming and funny. And then you see these... This side, the darker side of Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I think that's just really cool and kind of interesting that he's quite he's got a lot of layers to him. Yeah. All Dumbles does. I
0: mean, it's good to see that no one is perfect. Yeah. And we kind of saw that a little bit with Dumbledore, but now we get a little deeper into yeah. that. So we'll we'll get into this later when we get to the his treatment of Harry at the end. Snape's pretty upset with him for putting on the ring because it has such a powerful curse and he says that he is lucky it didn't spread more than just past his hand. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore asks how long he has and Snape says about a year. The curse is going to get worse over time. So this causes Dumbledore to talk about the new plan with Snape and they address the whole Draco Malfoy has been sent to kill me thing. I don't want that kid to die, etc. So this is the part where he goes to Snape and says, look, you're gonna have to kill me. And Snape hesitates and doesn't want to do it but Dumbledore eventually gets him to agree
1: he seems quite cool and chill the fact that he's gonna die you know he's just like okay cool yeah I've got a year I don't know why he's not like going off and booking some holidays to the Maldives and maybe like a trip to (laughs) Disney World like he's just like oh (laughs) shit I've got a year left he's just like cool right let's get Malfoy to do some crap like he's not really living his best life (laughs)
0: I guess like we don't know how old he is at this point, but it's very Obi-Wan Kenobi Star Wars-esque where he sees the bigger picture, he's accepted that he's done what he needs to do, and he trusts both Snape and Harry to achieve what they need to and and live out the plan and make sure it comes to succession. So I think he's recognizing that it's his time to go, and if anything, this just makes the decision of like what to do with Malfoy, it makes that decision so much easier because he knows he's gonna die anyway. So we might as well have Snape kill me on Malfoy's behalf. And this will help towards the ultimate goal of getting Voldemort dead because now Voldemort will really trust Snape. So I think he's just like big picture thinking and it's the like, I've lived a life thought. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, exactly. I mean, that would probably just be my personal reaction to, being told that you know this magic ring that i thought was super cool is gonna kill me (laughs) i think that also shows another side side of dumbledore well not even shows another side to him it just reminds you that he is just quite okay cool he's very calm he's so calm and just cool Mm -hmm. and uh, and i think that's just one of those things where he's just like yeah okay (laughs) right let's talk about this then (laughs) (laughs) So
0: that's the end of that memory. We go to a new one and it is Snape asking Dumbledore what his meetings with Harry are about. And we learn that these are the Horcrux meetings. Dumbledore won't tell him what the information is because he says that Snape spends too much time with Voldemort. And Snape protests saying, I only do that because of your orders, dude. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I know, but I can't risk it. So Dumbledore says he appreciates all of what Snape is doing, but he has to keep this between him and Harry. Snape asks why he would trust someone who can't do Occlumens, Mm -hmm. you properly and has a connection in Voldemort's mind and Dumbledore cites that Voldemort will never try to possess Harry again after the whole end of book five thing where he tried to possess Harry and then his love was so strong that it caused him immeasurable pain Mm -hmm. so Dumbledore doesn't think that's a concern. He reveals that the souls of Harry and Voldemort are intertwined too not just their mind and at first I thought that was like a weird sentence to say and I didn't really know what it meant, but later we have Dumbledore talking with Snape and he goes on to say that there will come a time when Voldemort starts to fear for the life of Nagini. And at this point, it will be safe to tell Harry, spoiler alert, that he's an accidental horcrux, (laughs) which what the fuck? (laughs) What the actual fuck? I made a silly little joke in an episode once where I was trying to understand horror cruxes because my big thing was, why aren't they just a bunch of random objects that mm-hmm. he hides all over the place? Yeah, yeah. I asked once after Snape killed James in the stairs before he went on to kill, to try to kill Harry and the Lily thing and it bounced back. I asked, oh, do you think he maybe killed James and then made a horcrux real quick afterwards <laughs> and that was the only time I even like postulated this being a realm of possibility and multiple times they had talked about you can't make people into horcruxes so I did not see this coming at all this was wild yeah. this was
1: absolutely ridiculous this is like a like a bomb drop on the kind of story it's like whoa twist boom yeah. you weren't expecting that and you're like oh my no. god
0: no <laughs> this is changes everything, and (laughs) thankfully my buddy Johnny told me to record myself reading this chapter. (laughs) So I do have a voice memo that was mostly silent except for me reacting to this, and I will now put it in for all of the listeners to hear. And while that fragment of soul unmissed by Voldemort remains attached to and protected by Harry, Lord Voldemort cannot. Oh, oh, Harry's a horcrux. Okay, cool. What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, that was uh that was my reaction to learning that Harry is a Horcrux and pretty wild and will spark a lot of discussion I am sure. I was absolutely floored and flabbergasted by this. But, and I hate to do this in the biggest, worst cliffhanger of all time for an episode of Potterless, but we are at time. And uh, I'm going to have to cut this here, which I feel so bad about. But I at least got that initial reaction because I have so many questions. Is Harry going to have to kill himself? Does Voldemort have to kill Harry? Why didn't Dumbledore tell him? Is Harry really this pig that Snape says he has been fattened to be by Dumbledore? Is Dumbledore mean? Is he nice? Why didn't he tell Harry so many questions, which will be covered on the next episode of Potterless? But Helen. Thank you so much for joining. How do you feel about this beginning portion of Chapter 33? The beginning of learning Snape. We basically, all of the bad parts of Snape, <laughs> Snape are what we've covered so far. This is the turning point where he starts to get good, where he protests Dumbledore's treatment of Harry. So I know it's been a bit hard for you as yes. pro-Snape correspondent for this episode mm-hmm. so far, but how do you feel about what we've learned so far?
1: Well, I feel like it, you know... <laughs> we've been really like he's been painting a picture of snape as a a very troubled guy Mm -hmm. it's very conflicting are we supposed to like him are we supposed to hate him and then i think that you start to get little like little little clues that maybe he does care Mm -hmm. about little harry you know and that's where i start to feel like ha ha Positive. See, he's not that bad. We knew he'd come through. Come on, Snape. (laughs) Someone can't be that bad. We knew there was something going on. I knew it. Definitely. Slimy, sexy Snape, you know. I didn't say that.
0: Well, we will get to that in the next episode where we actually start to learn nice things about Snape. But in the meantime, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? Uh,
1: you can find me on YouTube. If you type in my name, Helen Anderson, I should come up at the top on the search bar. If not, um, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Helen Anders. I talk about fashion, beauty and just real life stuff, you know, <laughs> In a very honest and frank way. Very good.
0: No, you you tell it like it is, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast, especially for the Snape episodes. And I'm sure you will start telling me like it is once we get to the part where we actually learn good things about Snape. Whereas if we did it now, it wouldn't make any sense because all we've got is that he is a creepy stalker, mansplainer, racist. So, not the best picture just yet, but more to come. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they drop a branch onto the head of the sister of the girl that they have a big crush on, (laughs) wizard on! Are you listening to Potterless and thinking, man, I love this podcast so much, I wish I could wear it on my body? Well, you can! If you go to bit.ly slash merchon, you can get Potterless merchandise and wear it on your body. Potter is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Sir Lopu, Frank Chiotto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Failu, Kieran Webb Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulet, Marie Lisa Zikeen, Romina Rivedanier, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Dustin Wolin, Cooch, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Cindy Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Cross Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orkid Vivian the Owl, Takari, Ront, Haley Hastings, Mostert, Pinkie Pan, Angelina Wither, Ross Marie Alex Basholta, Brian. Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggles, Raúl Pineda, Ingan Oddstøder, Mari Wynn, Brian Wingate, Alexandra Consulver, John Cocker Jenna Juice, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Teal, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Ali 29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Loufrida, DJ Svenson Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latra, Summer Rathal, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullatham, Carrie D Bagason, Andrea Kroc, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watson, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Boddy, Polly Burge, Srujan Thanme Gupta, Brittany Gutierrez, Ned Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Mats Furley, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Emily Tilly, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Sheldarp Noelia, Addy, Brian, Wash and Large, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine Rohn, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Placky, Martha Medueno, Benjamin Desmond, Tajinder Chumber, Skymart Six, Sarah Shetter, Peter Vostanek, Yash Patel, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade. Erin Richter CJ Ochoco Eileen Jesh, Kate L. Dobbs Violet Sullivan Hannah Suzanne Gormley Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning Elizabeth Agathon Fielding Lee Stephanie Hoford, Keegan Curran Miranda Manning Gail Ann Mr. Folk Heather McMillan Adam Bryant, Jesus Aguilar Christina Welton Maya Zachary Davis Kieran Ariel Rigdon Heaven Callahan Anders, Christy Lily Leader Williams Wire Warrior 4976 Georgia Floor Sake Ville Donner Itzel Aime Ayala Mitch Williams Alvega Topher Williams Peter Wyckoff Candy Kane, Skyla Lily Edel Ryan Professor Threat Sebastian Kelsey Wilesian Ellie Hoskovchowa Kelly Elise, Savvy Blue, Jimmy Block, Lena Karen, Daniel Folkerson, Rebecca Todd, lee 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 Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lika Faccio, Michael David, Yordi, Nice earmuffs, Potter, did your mum make them for you, and can't I, Potter? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campomanis. If you want to follow us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash pod, instagram.com slash podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. All bonus content lives at patreon.com slash potterless. All information about the show lives at podcast.com and merchandise lives at bit.ly slash merch on thank you so much for listening and until next time as they say in the wizarding world of harry potter wizard on